Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're going to be talking about season six, episode 15 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Let Her Go. Let everybody go. Yeah, let's just let's let it all go. Let's let it all hang out. Let's give everyone awful advice, Damon. (laughs) Let Liz go. Let Bonnie go finally. Let Caroline be free. Let her experience a moment without pain. I'm sorry. Let her experience a moment without anxiety because she needs it. That bitch needs a break. Yeah. I'm sorry. Do it. I don't care. Y'all have so much shit to say. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but my my thesis of this episode is, yeah, she should turn it off for a bit. Yeah. My thesis of this episode, which is my thesis of most episodes, is I support Caroline whatever she does. Yeah. She's never been wrong. Whatever Caroline wants to do, that's right. That she should do it. And not only because I think this could be a fun Caroline Enzo bestie era, (laughs) but that is certainly a part of it. But that certainly doesn't hurt. (laughs) There's so much to say about this episode. It's jam-packed. It's a lot of fun. But before we get into any of it, here's a quick ad. I will start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. After assigning tasks to each of her friends, Caroline attempts to deal with her current situation as reality begins to set in around her. While spending the day with Caroline, Elaine grows concerned when she starts noticing a strange change in her behavior. Meanwhile, Alaric becomes wary when Kai, who has begun experiencing unexpected consequences from the merge, turns to Joe, desperate for help. Elsewhere, Bonnie finds herself in an unfamiliar situation. Yeah, let's call it that. (laughs) And Matt and Tyler contemplate a major life change. And when Damon offers Caroline advice on how to cope with everything going on around her, it forces him to revisit painful memories involving his own mother. I should also mention this is officially the end of the Parker chapter, and we will start a new chapter next episode. We'll talk at the end of the episode after we, you know, unpack everything, what that next chapter might be. And we'll see if Stephanie guesses it. I've thrown out a couple guesses of where we might be headed. And I I don't think I'm going to get too far past those, honestly. And I will ask you to name them as chapters. You have all this time to think about it. We'll see what you come up with. I have a starting guess, but I'm going to discuss the episode and see if something else pops out to me. But I have a starter. I'm not going to say it now. Yeah. <laughs> In case it's stupid. <laughs> and, and it probably is. And it probably <laughs> will end up being the actual guess I say. So kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> we start the episode in a flashback. We see the second half of the memory we saw last week, which is Caroline learning to ride her bike with her mom. It is after Caroline has ridden without training wheels for a while, and she did indeed fall. As as you do. As you do. All of us have fallen off a bike. Human experience. Yeah. So young Caroline is crying uh, because, owie. Liz comes in and she says, okay, I've got Band-Aids, surgical gear, and a medevac en route for an airlift. And Caroline says, you're making fun of me. She's so cute. She's so cute. And Liz says, no, I'm making fun of me. There's no greater first than watching your kid ride without training wheels and no worse first than seeing them bite the dust. And she puts the bandaid on. She says, there. And Caroline says, mommy, am I going to (laughs) die? And Liz says, I would say that your chances of survival are 100%. And Caroline says, great. I have another question. (laughs) Caroline says, are you going to die? Girl. This poor bitch was anxious from the jump. And I relate to her because... I was thinking about death at this age. There is no more anxious bitch than a fucking six-year-old concerned with death. Yeah, it's like, girl, why are you worried? It's like, wait, girl, calm down. You don't have to deal with that yet, girl. (laughs) That sets you up for pain. 
Yeah. And Liz says, okay. And of course, Liz doesn't really want to say like, no, I'm never going to die. So Liz says, well, everyone dies eventually, sweetie, but not for a long, long time. And Caroline says, but what if you die and I'm still here? And Liz is like, oh, so we're going more into this. Okay, you have a follow-up question. Oh, so you have more questions. (laughs) Okay. Okay, great. So that answer wasn't enough. Awesome. (laughs) Liz says, well, then you'll be a grown-up and you won't need me. And Caroline says, I think I'll always need you. And they hug. And this brings us to present day. Caroline wakes up on the couch at the Salvatore house. Everyone is asleep in the Salvatore living room. Elena, Matt, Tyler, Steph, and Caroline. The funny thing about this is... Elena and Caroline are laid up on the couches and all the men are sleeping, sitting up. They're like, it's too girly to lay down. They said only queens get to lay down in this house. Only the queens get couches. (laughs) Caroline does give like a longing look to Stefan, but she does walk away. She goes into the kitchen. Damon is sitting up awake because he said, if I don't get a couch, I'm not fucking sleeping. He's like, but I'm not going to sleep in my room because then I'm not part of like the, the friendship. It's actually reverse sexism that I don't get a couch. <laughs> I I actually have a really bad back is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to sleep sitting up, but like I, I'd have back pain. I just can't. No, I like I agree the girls should get the couches, but like I am the oldest and like I I just have this weird back thing. And it's it's not that I just want a place to sleep. It's just that I need a place to sleep. And it is my house. And they're like, go to your bed then, Damon. And he said, but <laughs> then I'm not in the sleepover. Yeah. So then he stayed up because he was like, fuck this. Yeah. So Damon is writing by the fire. He's crumpling paper. So I guess he's not really writing. He's uh, failing to write. Caroline comes in and she says, oh, sorry. I just am getting water. And Damon says, help yourself. And she's like, yeah, I was gonna. It's a fucking tap. He said, yeah, I intended to. Like, it was free. I wasn't asking for permission. Caroline says, what are you not writing? And Damon says, would you believe your mother entrusted me to eulogize her? And Caroline says, that's nice, I guess. Caroline said, sure, why not? And Damon says, you know, I think she's trying to teach me a lesson about my own mom. I was supposed to do the eulogy at her funeral, and I just, and Caroline says, we don't have to share. (laughs) Caroline's like, I really don't want to hear this. Like, save it for the fucking eulogy. I was just making polite conversation. (laughs) Damon says, right. Like, he's all upset that suddenly he can't share his feelings. You know, there was a time in your life when you wouldn't share a damn feeling, Damon. Yeah. How the tables have turned. And now you're sharing too many. People are sick of it. Yeah. He said, wow, you got a lot going on in there. (laughs) Wow, once you started, you didn't stop, huh? It's like a faucet. (laughs) Caroline says, I just mean, you know, today is pretty much going to be the worst day of my life. I'm not sure I need to start it off by bonding with you. No offense. Because they've made some strides, but she still doesn't like him too much. Oh, yeah. And she's like, I really don't want to discuss, like, how I feel about my mom. I'm just trying to plan the funeral and and do all the hard stuff so then I can get to the easy parts later. Yes. And Damon said, oh, I can ruin that, too, actually. Damon says, no offense taken. Callan says, great. Thanks for the water. She starts to leave, but he says, you know what? I've got shit to say. And I do think he's trying to be helpful here. I do actually think he's trying to be helpful. But what he says, I'll say what he says before we talk about if it's helpful or not. He says, hey, Blondie, today isn't the worst day of your life. Today and tomorrow is a cakewalk. There'll be people around you day in and day out like they're afraid to leave you alone. The worst day? That's next week when there's nothing but quiet. Just a heads up. I do think this is helpful advice. Mm-hmm. That like today's actually not going to be that hard. You'll be okay. Why would you say it like this? Yeah. Why would you say actually? Oh, you think this is bad? Wait a week, girly. It's going to get worse. Get back to your fucking self. Let her come to that conclusion. 
it's clearly the death of Liz is reminding Damon of how he felt after the death of his mother, which he clearly didn't process. Yeah, clearly. Now, should he be processing it in real time with Caroline? No. But I think he was like, you know what? Like, you can, like, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through today. That should have been all he said. He didn't need to say, actually, it's going to get so much worse and you're going to be depressed for weeks. One thing about Damon, he's much better about this now than he used to be, but he is slipping into it when he's upset. If he's in a bad mood, he is hell-bent on taking everybody down with him. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's like, no, I'm sorry. Like, your mom just died. I can't be the one in the worst mood in the worst mood here. Yeah. I need you to get at least to where I'm at. Yes. He's just not quite good at giving advice. I mean, and this has always kind of been Damon's problem. It's all their problem in a way, but Damon is the one I'm thinking about now. He is very bad at giving advice that takes into account the differences in someone's experiences than his own. Yeah. He's always been bad at that. And he get he does that later with Stefan too, which we'll get to. Don't get, don't even, <laughs> don't you worry. I think he and Stefan both like, and it comes with being older and being wiser that you're like, if I had handled it this way, or if I had known this, it would have been easier for me. And it's like, in retrospect, sure. Yeah. At the time, probably not. But they don't have the frame of reference to like plan that. They're just trying to be helpful. And it's like, that's not quite what we were needing from you. But like, I appreciate that you tried, but you just, you missed it a little bit here. All of them do this too, particularly Damon and Elena in general, but Damon specifically this episode. They're like, me, I figured out grief now. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you all about it. Me personally, I know how to do it. And Elena does that a lot. But Elena in this episode kind of had it figured out. Like, I know this is the one time Elena kind of could be on a high horse. And it was even better because she wasn't really on a high horse. Oh, yeah. Elena kind of ate this week because one thing about Elena, she knows how to be a good friend at a funeral. Yeah. She knows how to do that. And Damon's also dealing with the death of Liz. So I do think he has a more personal connection to Liz than he's willing to admit. And I do think he holds a little bit of resentment for Caroline for a, a sometimes strained relationship with Liz B giving her vampire blood and see like there's a better way to say this but making Liz's death about her even though it's her damn mom so she should it's almost like who's grieving her better subconsciously yeah well I think he feels really guilty that he was like no Liz you tell her this you tell her this and she couldn't because he didn't know she was like right at death's door and he couldn't have known that he does feel guilty that he was there for Liz's last moment and Caroline wasn't but then a part of him I think also is like Caroline wasn't even there for her last moment. Yeah, so she doesn't know what it's like. Yeah. So anyway, he gives her this advice that is like somewhat, again, it's somewhat helpful. Like, oh, you should be prepared. This is not gonna be the worst day. But obviously she's not in the space to receive it. She didn't even want to talk about anything emotional. And now you're telling her the, the well of your depression actually can and will get deeper. Yeah, she just wanted to get a sip of water um, and try to go to sleep to ignore this. And you just brought it up to the front of the consciousness. So thanks for that. So thanks, Damon. <laughs> Starting out the day, great. <laughs> so she says, thanks for the tip and leaves. And he's, he says, you're welcome. And it's like, Damon, that wasn't that wasn't a genuine thank you. He says, sure, anytime. Don't do it anytime. Don't do it ever again. I mean, he's doing his own mourning. And you can tell because he does not even register that this hurt her. Because he was like, I'm prepping her for the worst. And she's ready now. I wish someone had told me 
that the day of the funeral wasn't even the worst day. Because then if someone had told me that, I would have done the eulogy for my mother. Yeah, and I would have mentally prepared for the rest of it. Now, Caroline is mentally preparing, but not in the way they want her to. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> the song Let It Go plays. I don't remember who the artist is. Forner. I always think Forner and Passenger. I always get them confused. Forner is like a rock band. Well, excuse me for naming another band. Um, but it goes... Only know you've been high when you're feeling low Only hate the road when you're missing home Only know you love her when you let her go And you let her go Later in the living room study area, Caroline is making a to-do list. On the to-do list is plan funeral, order floral arrangements, mystic grill reception, cancel credit cards, personal effects from hospital, body transport order, death certificate, meet with lawyer, sell house, question mark. Big, big list. So she's ready for the day. Yeah. She's gathered everyone in the living room and she says, you've all asked what you can do to help. There are five days worth of projects on here. We're going to do them in one. We can break the rules, cut through the red tape. I expect my mom to be properly celebrated and buried by the end of the day. Now, this is the first red flag that something is up. But to everyone's credit, they are good friends. And Matt says, whatever you need. And everyone nods. But someone at this point should say, girl, I don't know if we need to rush. I think we don't need to rush. But at this point, it's also like, well, you know, Caroline's trying to control it. She's trying to control everything, package it up, compartmentalize it. Like, let's just help her do that. That'll help her get through it. So I get why this didn't get flagged immediately, but it is the first sign of trouble. This is an uncharacteristically like good response from this group. This group always loves to be like, they always have something to say about someone's decision. But this time everyone's like, yep, yeah, whatever we need, girl. Because most of these people have lost a parent and they're like, man, at least mine didn't have cancer. This kind of, this kind of looks worse for me. Yeah. Caroline says, Elena, you're coming with me. We're going casket shopping. Let's move. They go. Outside of the house, Elena says, you drive. I sent my car to Jeremy. And Caroline says, oh my God, Jeremy, I forgot to put him on my list of people to call. And Elena says, it's okay. I called him. As they're walking out, we see Bonnie walk by. And I'm like, oh my God, she made it. But no, not yet. We go over to the prison world, the 1994 prison world, I should say. Yeah. (laughs) And she is returning from Nova Scotia. They said, we're not going on location. Just believe she went there. They said she's holding a duffel bag. She clearly came from the wilderness. You guys get it. She sets up the video camera in the software house and she says, it is day 278 inside this stupid prison world. I have two broken toes, nine blisters and an ear infection, but I don't care. I fesmatos to the crap out of this magic Canadian rock, and I have my magic again. And you know what? That's all the detail we need. I don't need anything else. I'm good. You have your magic. You have everything we need. But I was like, girl, let's get this moving because this has never been enough before. Yeah. <laughs> she says, when that eclipse hits 1228, I'm going home. You hear that, me? Home. Unfortunately, yes, it is early in the episode, and we've never seen it successfully work. So everyone's a little, everyone's a little hesitant to believe. Yeah, I'm I'm less convinced, but at this point I'm like she has to fucking get out. Like yeah. we can't do this anymore. We can't be on episode 15. There's no way she's going to still be in there in episode 16, okay? I can't do this anymore. We are more than halfway through the season. Get her out of there. We go over to Alaric's apartment. Joe is puking. The universal sign of pregnant on TV. <laughs> Literally when she was puking, I was like pregnant. Yeah. Like immediately. They try so hard to not make us guess it, but they know it's obvious. So they confirm it at the end. We'll talk about pregnancy when we get there. Yeah. Um. But 
Alaric says, oh, you sure you don't want me to hold your hair back or something? Mind you, he's standing like 10 feet away. Yeah, he's like, don't get any of that shit on me. <laughs> Joe says, stay away from me. This is gross. We haven't been dating long enough for you to see gross. And Alaric says, I have guilt, which is a weird way to say this. Yeah. <laughs> like, just say, I feel guilty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alaric says, I have guilt. The vegan dish I made fun of did you in. And look, we know it's not food poisoning. And it's not that you can't get food poisoning from vegan food. It's distinctly harder. I was going to say the same thing. It's not like undercooked meat. Like what? Was a green bean bad? I don't know what to tell you. Like it would have to be a lot of stuff messed up. That's already suspicious. And also the fact that it's Thai food, which she famously eats all the time. And if she's a vegetarian, you have to assume she eats kind of the same like three dishes. Well, yeah, it's one thing if it's like a vegan dish from a vegan place that's like a lot of tempeh tofu, like substitutes for things, weird seasonings to make things taste like meat that like maybe something disagreed with you. But then to say it's Thai food, it's like, bitch, I know you eat Thai food all the time. Yes. Which vegan Thai dish gave you food poisoning? Be so real. You're pregnant. (laughs) You are a doctor. Yes. She says, stupid Thai food. Never again. I'm dying. She pukes again. Rick says, maybe we should just skip the funeral. Joe says, we're going. Uh, They won't go, actually. (laughs) (laughs) The doorbell rings. And Alaric goes to get it. And who is it but Kai looking so hot and sexy? But also, he looks sick. Also looks literally hot because he's sweating. Yeah. Kai says, hey. Alaric like, goes to close the door on him. And Kai says, hey, wait. I know you hate me, but I really need to see my sister. And Rick says, well, I think she's going to pass. And Joe says, what are you doing here? Kai says, well, I called to tell you I was sick and you hung up on me. Of course she did. Yeah. Just because I have food poisoning. Did the sound of me vomiting on the other end of the line not clue you in? Kai says, look. There's an issue I've been worried about since the merge because we didn't really do it right, you know? The whole, you're not my twin, hey, that's okay, close enough plan. It worked, which is cool. I'm even a little bit nice now, in case you were wondering. He directs that to Alaric because he's like, hey. Did anyone tell you I recently acquired empathy? Yeah. I even cried a couple times. (laughs) He says, but I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, well, I think it's dropped because I'm... then he says, where's the bathroom? And then he throws up into, like, an umbrella holder. Uh, But it's blood that he throws up. Yeah. And Joe, clearly not throwing up blood. Yeah. Kai says, I don't think you have food poisoning. I was supposed to merge my magic with you, but I got Luke's instead. And now I'm defective, and I think that's why you're sick. I kind of feel like I'm dying, actually. And if I die, so do you, Dad, Liv, and the rest of our dumb coven. So could you please fix me, like now? And upon reflection with all we know at the end of the episode, it's likely that Joe just has morning sickness and she wouldn't have died if she didn't give Kai her magic. Yeah. But he would have died without her magic. And then. Well, she didn't need her magic anyway. So. Yeah, she's not using it. All's well that ends well. We go over to Damon's room in the Salvatore house. He's putting on a tie. And then we have a flashback. And there's a little boy in front of the mirror uh, putting on a tie. He's played by a child actor. And then a full grown Ian Somerhalder, Damon, walks up behind him. When I thought this was like young Damon and like he was watching it as his old self. That's not the situation. No. Damon says, what are you doing? And we later find out is Stefan says, borrowing one of father's ties for the funeral. Damon says, he will skin you alive. Take mine. And he ties it. Stefan says, did you finish the speech? And Damon says, not quite. Stefan says, it's an important speech. And Damon says, I will finish it, Stefan. So we now know that this is Damon and young Stefan. And the casting is funny. We get an age in a second. Stefan says, father said we're not to cry. Sounds like Giuseppe. Yeah, that's classic Giuseppe. Damon says, that is because father is incapable of human emotion. You are 10. 
you cry if you feel like it. So we know that Damon and Stefan's official ages are Stefan is 17, Damon is 25. So Damon is eight years older than Stefan. So if Stefan is 10 in this scene, Damon is 18. So I do sort of get why they're like, mm, we can get away with putting Ian Somerhalder here. But it is just funny when you actually like, because as we know, teens are often played by adults on TV shows. Yeah. But it is funny when you put someone 10 next to that. Yeah. And it's like, he's supposed to grow into Paul Wesley in seven years. That doesn't seem likely. Because they do a good job, don't get me wrong, of like making Ian Somerhalder look younger. They do the blur. They fix his hair. They do enough with him that, yeah, I buy that this is younger Ian Somerhalder. But he doesn't look 18. Okay. He looks 25. (laughs) He looks 25, which is fine. Like, I think it would have played if they had, like, a 13-year-old that they said was 10. Yes. A slightly older Stefan. Yeah. It looks so off balance because it's like, why is he talking to this little kid? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like, you guys are, mm, I, don't, I don't get it, really. <laughs> Stefan says, I don't think I will cry. Okay, Stefan. Yeah. You? Let's let's test that steel will. Nice yeah. and young, huh? I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure at 10 you were really put together. <laughs> he says, well, because Mother's Angel told me that everything would be all right. Damon says, when was this? <laughs> uh, Stefan says, last night in my sleep, she visited me. Did she visit you? And Damon says, must have missed it. Because Damon's like, oh, it was a dream. But I'm, I'm going to guess it wasn't a dream. And she visited one son. Knowing what we know later, it's probably not a dream. And I mean, I'm guessing that like, visiting an 18 year old he might be a little bit more suspicious than a 10 year old yeah so maybe that's why or maybe there's some other more nefarious reason she didn't visit damon we'll talk all about her later damon says oh i must have missed it the visit of his mother yeah he finishes tying seven sciences okay there be on your way and Stefan goes and then damon looks at himself in the mirror and we transition back to current day damon's room he's looking at himself in the mirror mm-hmm. and then Stefan comes in tables have turned different positions Mm-hmm. brothers Stefan says I see the eulogy is coming along swimmingly Damon says it's percolating <laughs> and Stefan says hey listen I need your advice and I need you to not be a dick about it because I have no one else to ask you know I'm the, like the last person to say this but I actually think Elena might have been the right person to ask in this situation I get why he's asking Damon I do I think he knows that Elena is obviously going to side with Caroline so I think he wants to pick someone who might not. That's fair. I, he wants someone more objective. That's my thought of why he went Damon instead of Elena. Because everyone else is going to say, yeah, take Caroline. Are you kidding? And Stefan, I think, doesn't realize how much this is hurting Damon. Like this yeah. event. So I think he doesn't realize just how bad of timing this is for Damon. Like Stefan obviously was upset that Damon didn't do the eulogy at their mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Stefan holds this resentment for it the way Damon feels guilt about it, because Stefan was 10. Yeah. So he probably doesn't remember as much. And it's like the 1850s, like someone dying of consumption, like is sad, but it's like, well, it's consumption. Like, what are you going to do? What the fuck do you want me to do about it? You know? Yeah, I'm 10. (laughs) Like, (laughs) whatever. Damon says, this sounds promising. And Stefan says, what I just say? (laughs) He said, don't be a dick. He said, please, (laughs) I'm struggling. And Seven says, so look, something happened between Caroline and me. And Damon says, ooh, finally, he's shipping, except not enough. Except not enough because he has shit to say, apparently. Yeah. Stefan says, well, then her mom died, and I haven't had a chance to talk to her about it, and I don't know the best way to handle it. And Damon says, pull the ripcord. 
And Stefan says, what? Just like me. Yeah. And I'm like, Damon, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like jump into falling in love? Uh, I hope that's what you mean. (laughs) But it doesn't sound like it. You're making me doubt that. And Damon says, she's not the one. If she was, you wouldn't have to ask. What the fuck kind of shitty advice is this? I mean, that's simply not how it works. And I know, Damon, you have... The only time you've ever felt like you found the one, it was the same face. So I know that you think you know right away. Yeah, you fell in love with Elena immediately because you met her when you were still in love with a girl who looked just like her. So yeah, of course you fell in love with her immediately. You were already in love with her. Yeah. Also, to be fair, I mean, what's interesting about Damon and Stefan is I think many people would say that Stefan is the more emotional of the brothers. Mm -hmm. But Damon is clearly more in touch with his emotions. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Stefan gets his emotions. He compartmentalizes them. Yeah. Damon gets his emotions and he bottles them up. But he's more in touch with them. They're at the surface. Or he feels them so aggressively that he kills someone. Which, like... Yeah, don't feel those emotions so hard, but like he's feeling. Yes. So he's a little bit more in touch with his emotions and particularly like falling in love. Stefan is very cautious. Yeah. Especially after, you know, Elena dumped him for his brother. Yeah, I'd be cautious too. So again, this is both of them expecting the other to have similar experiences to them. So Stefan is wrong to expect Damon to give him the kind of advice he really needs. And Damon is wrong for the advice he gives, but it's kind of like, well, what else did you expect from Damon? I do think Damon gives this advice partially as a protection to Caroline of like, if you don't know for sure, why do you have to talk to her about this today? Yeah. It's just not fucking necessary to bring this up to her. That's the thing. I do think the advice that would be nice is like, if you're not sure today, like, first of all, you shouldn't be talking about this today anyway. But second of all, if you're not sure, you definitely shouldn't be talking about it today. Yeah. But what he says is, just dump her. Like, if you don't know, just leave. I think it sounds like that, but I don't think he really means that. I think he's like, I think he is essentially saying, like, get out of that conversation today. Yeah. Stefan says, well, I didn't even (laughs) get to that point. And Damon says, you've been in love twice in your life, Stefan. Setting aside that it was technically the same face, does it feel like that? Number one. That logic is not great. We can't simply set aside that it's the same face. Yeah, we can't simply set that aside. Number two, you can't expect love to feel the same every time. And number three, maybe it shouldn't feel like that. Maybe love shouldn't feel like what Stefan and Catherine had because she was manipulating him. Whether or not she compelled him, which she says she didn't, um, and we are inclined to believe that, She was manipulating him. Yeah, Catherine manipulated him. Elena, you may have been in love, but let's not call that a successful relationship, okay? Yeah, he was definitely in love with Elena, for sure. But they had their own issues in that relationship, which caused them not to work pretty clearly. Yeah. So maybe you shouldn't be, like, stacking everything up against how you felt with Catherine and Elena. Because, I mean, and this is, both of their faults, but like both Stefan and Elena in their relationship wanted the other one to save them. Yeah. And that's not very healthy on either part. They were what they needed at the time. Both of them had this, like the same approach to love, Mm -hmm. which is nice at the beginning, but when you get any sort of difficulty and any differences pop up, then all of a sudden it's like, wait, I was in love with you because you were the same as me. 
Yeah. And now you're suddenly doing something different. Like it, we all saw how that relationship went. And look, yes, you guys may have lasted three seasons, but let's be honest, that third season, she was, she was already in love with Damon. Yeah. And so Damon says, you know, not all love is true love, brother. This, I can't even begin with this comment. Number one, what the fuck is true love? I mean, especially if you're immortal, it is foolish to like look for one true love because ideally you have enough time to like have many true loves. You're immortal. Well, and true love can mean different things at different times. Yeah. You can be truly in love and then you're, and then something changes and you're not anymore. And then you can be truly in love another time. Or, I mean, I think we all fucking like to say Stefan and Elena is epic love and Damon and Elena is true love. People say that Caroline's true love that because I would argue that he and Elena wasn't true love because they didn't know each other in the same way. They didn't like have the same patience and care for each other, even though they thought they did. Like they definitely watched out for each other and respected each other, but it wasn't as much of like a team and a unit. It was very much like, this is my savior. This is who I'm saving. They were both playing both roles. Yeah. It was like first love. Damon says, Caroline wants the real deal. And if you don't pull the ripcord before you make things worse, just not today, let her have the day. This doesn't really answer Stefan's question because Stefan's question was like, I just don't know how to handle it. Like, I don't know how to handle the conversation. The question he's asking Damon is not like, like, how do I communicate my feelings? He doesn't even know how to start the conversation. Yeah. And because of that, Damon is assigning all these feelings to him like, well, he must not be in love if he doesn't know if he wants to date her. But that's not really what Stefan's asking. Stefan's asking, like, how do I open this conversation? And the advice, don't do it today, is great advice, except for the fact that Caroline's going to be busy tomorrow, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, but none of you guys could know that. This is just like Damon's other advice in the episode. It's like, all of this might be true, but the way you're phrasing it is bad. Yeah, well, I do think it's just... He's basically saying, if you don't know what you want to do, like, don't, like, you don't have to hurt her. Don't string her along. Because in Damon's mind, truly, he's like, this has been going on. You already broke her heart once. Like, if you wanted to be with her, you would just do it by now. So you probably don't care about her and you're scared to say that. Which is rich coming from Damon, who always goes back and forth with Elena. Yeah, he's he's reading into this to try to just pick a situation and give advice for it. Because he doesn't really want to give advice because he's, not holding it together super well right now himself. And he's stressed about the eulogy. He's like, I don't have time to think about all this. I still need to write a eulogy. Yeah, he's like, get out of my room. And like, I have to write a eulogy so I can't ruin Caroline's day. Please don't ruin Caroline's day before the eulogy even starts. Yeah. I mean, I think the advice, like, if you don't know, like, don't lead her on is fine. But also, I do think it's like, I don't think you need to decide right at the beginning of a relationship, like, that you're that your soulmates. Yeah, you don't need to be like, oh, we kissed one time. Is it true love or not? I don't know. You kissed one time. It doesn't have to be true love or nothing today. Yeah. But one thing about Damon, he feels his feelings big, okay? And that's my thing, is this advice has some good parts, but it's largely phrased incorrectly and not what Stefan should be hearing today. Stefan's the dumbass who followed it. That's true, but here's the thing about Stefan. He has rarely been in the position where he's the one who has to be vulnerable first because usually girls flock to him. Let's say it. He is very sure about how he feels by the time a girl gets to him because they've been vulnerable with him. So he, you know, 
And also, to be fair, I mean, Stefan's relationships in the past have been very much immediately romantic. Mm -hmm. And his relationship with Caroline is much more indicative of his relationship with Lexi. And let's face it, his relationship with Lexi, mommy issues, okay? Yeah. I mean, clearly, so far, and we haven't even dealt with their mom, clearly there's some mommy issues rampant with the Salvatore brothers. Let's say that. Yeah, I have a, I have something to say about that for sure. Yeah. So he's like, okay, well, it was never romantic with Lexi. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, well, all things being equal, my relationship with Caroline also shouldn't be romantic. Because I can logically figure out feelings, and and that is how I will live. Yeah. I, I mean, I do think he has a hard time knowing how to move from friendship to romance, because he's really never had to do that before. Exactly. I think he understands that he has to be careful with how he handles Caroline, because he cares so much about her. So he doesn't mm-hmm. want to, like, ruin whatever friendship they have by like not knowing what he's doing. Especially since he already almost ruined the friendship once. Yeah. And I think it's just this situation where he, he kind of, I don't want to say he has to figure it out himself, but he kind of does because he doesn't need to know it's true love today, but like no one else can tell you if it is. I think he was kind of hoping he would talk to Damon and Damon would be like, you're obviously in love with her. And Damon was like, well, I don't know. Are you like, if you don't know, how would I know? To be fair though, many times in the past, Damon has come looking for similar advice and Stefan has said, you're obviously in love with Elena. Stefan has much more of an eye for those things because he's so anxious and analytical of himself. I think he can spot emotions better in others because Stefan's analyzing his feelings. Damon is feeling them. So he doesn't like, he's like, just feel it, girl. But also Damon has said in the past, like, just be with Caroline. You obviously care about her. Yeah. And Stefan has ignored that enough times that Damon's like, I guess he doesn't want to. That's true. I tried that first. I think Damon's kind of like, I don't know, dude, make up your mind, which is rich coming from him. Yes. (laughs) But he's right for it. But to be fair, Damon generally knows he wants to be with Elena now. So he's like, damn, this is obnoxious. Yeah. And I think it is Stefan's fault for then following this advice. But Stefan's riding blind. I think he is riding blind. He took it so at face value, but I think he just was like, well, someone knows better than me because I can't possibly be the expert here. And it's like, it's your relationship with someone. Unfortunately, you are the expert here. It's your feelings. Unfortunately, you're not going to find someone who knows them better than you. And and unfortunately, yeah, you don't know them. Yeah. Unfortunately, Damon probably does know your feelings better than you, but that doesn't mean he knows every single one correctly. You kind of have to take the wheel at some point here, gang. Consider the fucking source is all I'll say. You know your brother. Unfortunately, like, the best person to give advice on this is Caroline. Yeah. And he knows it is, but he knows he can't ask her. And that's the thing. He, I think, really wanted to have a conversation, like, talking through what he feels and how to track it down. But only Caroline would have that conversation with him. And he doesn't want to have that conversation until he kind of feels like he knows where he's leaning. Well, and he suspect he especially doesn't want to have that conversation with Caroline today. Exactly. But he also really wants to have that conversation today. And ironically enough, Caroline also wants to have that conversation today. Mm-hmm. If he had followed his own instinct mm-hmm. and had the conversation today. Or even said to Caroline, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I would love to talk about it today, but I know you probably don't. And she would. But I know why he wouldn't say that to her. Like, yeah. It's just unfortunate. It's so close, but so far. Yeah. As it always is. So then we go over to the funeral home after Caroline and Elena have been casket shopping. 
some woman, I think her name is Mrs. McGruber. McGruder. McGruder. Tomato, tomato. Uh, it doesn't matter. She has one line and leaves. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even need to say her <laughs> you name. You her name up. Okay. So <laughs> this woman tells Caroline, your mother was such a vibrant woman, even after your father ran off with that man. Caroline's like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Elena says, okay, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll see you at the funeral. Because Elena said, no, we're not doing this. And Elena takes Caroline away and says, welcome to the world of awkward sympathies. That's why you have to be prepared with your responses. I recommend at least three. And Caroline says, I don't know how you survived this. Which is fair because Elena went through this when she was 16. Yeah. Elena says the responses will be different for each category of people in your life. Friends of circumstance, casual acquaintances, loved ones. And Caroline says, okay, so I kissed Stefan. She said, I have to talk about this with someone. Yeah. (laughs) She says, and I want to talk to him about it. But if it's bad, I feel like he won't be honest. You know, not today. And Elena says, talk to him about it tomorrow. You already have a lot on your plate, which is great advice. Yeah. But not what Caroline wants today. Caroline's like, no, I'm busy tomorrow. Unfortunately, here's the thing about Elena. She's really good at advice on funeral days. She's very good at doing a funeral. Yeah. Because she's been through enough funerals and seen enough funerals that she's like, okay, I can guide someone through this day. Yeah. Every other part of grief. She never shuts the fuck up about. Yeah. But funerals, she knows how to sit and do her job and be quiet. Mm-hmm. Caroline says, no, I really think I need to know today. And she says, we're behind schedule. Let's go. So it's another thing of like, okay, so what's the what's the big deal with today? Yeah. We go over to the Whitmore Hospital. Joe's in a doctor's office. She's giving Kai like a physical checkup. She says, any joint pain? He says, mm-hmm. She says, headaches? And he says, yep. She says, are you pregnant? He says, stop making jokes. It's not so funny. Won't be such a funny joke later, will it, Joe? You happy with that? (laughs) Kai says, I feel like I'm being scrunched from inside out. And then he says, you know, this is kind of private. Does your baby boo need to be here? Referencing a lyric. When he says he feels like he's being scrunched from the inside out, I'm like, wow, that sounds like period cramps. Yeah. I was like, maybe he is pregnant. (laughs) Rick says, I'm not leaving her alone with you. So deal with it. And that's fair. Super fair reaction. I mean... I don't think Kai's are in alone time with his sister quite yet. Yeah. Joe says, okay, your vitals are fine. Your temperature's normal. I'll wait on pathology, but there's nothing medically wrong with you. And Kai says, yeah, duh, because I'm magically diseased. He's like, why do we do this whole checkup? I could have told you that. Yeah. He says, oh, you haven't puked in at least. And then he starts uh, vomiting blood again. He grabs Joe's arm and he siphons her. You can see the red light. And Joe groans because she's being siphoned. And Rick says, hey, pulls them apart. And Kai says, wow, I feel better. Joe says, yeah, you juice boxed my magic. And Kai says, sorry, that was an accident. But I do legit feel better. So you need to give me your magic. Because this faux merge is clearly failing because I was supposed to get your magic, right? And he says, I don't know, put it in a teddy bear or a bedpan or whatever and give me. <laughs> Imagine if he also got brain cancer. <laughs> like right after Rick says, I could just as easily break seven bones in your hand with one good squeeze, okay? Kai says, I can see you're skeptical, Rick. Can I call you, Rick? Here's the thing you need to know, is that Joe only survives if I do. And if that's not enough for you, the power that binds the prison worlds comes from the leader of the Gemini Coven. If I die, the worlds collapse. I see vacancy. Would you like me to start over with single syllables? See, and when he started saying this, I was like, Bonnie, I didn't even get to the the S. (laughs) But Rick did pick up on it. Rick says, did you say prison worlds as in more than one? And Kai says, oh, has no one ever mentioned that? And it does make sense when you think about it. Yeah. That this system of prison worlds, it is weird that they came up with it out of nowhere. 
when Kai was bad. Yeah. Like, it feels, like, pretty thought out before that. So it makes sense that they exist. Well, yeah, and I think this does give us some insight into how long the Gemini Coven has been acting. Because it's like, oh, you guys have been doing this, huh? You've been at this. We go into the 1994 prison world, which we now know is not the only one. Mm -hmm. Bonnie is in the cave with the camera, and she says, okay, this is it. I'm ready. There's no one to stop me. I have magic, the ascendant, and the eclipse. And then there's like rumbling as if it's an earthquake. And then it becomes nighttime and it's snowing. So that's weird. So that's super (laughs) weird. And she says no. So it's at minimum a different day. Yes. So she crawls out of the hole she's in and it is snowing and she's in the woods. And she says, okay, great. We go over to the Salvatore house. Elena is in her funeral outfit. Another sleigh. One thing about Elena, she's going to slay at a funeral. Yeah. We don't have like a lot of funeral outfits on this show because they frankly don't have that many funerals. Yeah, they just kind of say, well, another person died. So fun to get an actual funeral look. Yeah. Elena walks into the kitchen where Damon is sitting, still working on his eulogy. Mm -hmm. And Elena says, I'm worried about Caroline. I don't think she's handling this as well as she thinks she is. Damon doesn't comment on it. He's focused on his eulogy. Elena says, you're not done yet. And he says, no, I'm not done. I will never be done. I'm not a nice person. I should not have to stand in front of the whole town and pretend to be a nice person. This is Liz having the last laugh from the great beyond. It's like, it's a eulogy. It is not that serious. Why would Liz on her deathbed be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull a prank on Damon. Yeah. One of my closer friends who I've never pulled a prank on before. And a prank that I won't even see the fruits of. (laughs) That will only make my funeral worse. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds like me. Yeah, that sounds like something I want to do. (laughs) Elena says, hey, easy. You are nice-ish. She said, I'm not going to lie. Damon says, not helping. And Elena says, you know, this isn't about you, Damon. Wow. She's like, it's about me. And (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. And she says, you know, it's not even about Liz. It's about Caroline and what she needs to hear, okay? She kisses him. She just introduced to him the idea of empathy. And he's really excited to try it out. Yeah. Just kidding. He's got empathy. He's like, interesting. It's about Caroline. I thought it was about Liz or maybe me. (laughs) But wow, my whole worldview has shifted. Then we do another flashback. It's his mother's funeral. (laughs) Damon is at the grave, his mother's grave with Stefan. Stefan says, you missed your speech. And Damon says, I know. Stefan says, why? Damon says, I could not decide what to say. And then Stefan starts crying, even though he was explicitly told not to. Well, at least Giuseppe's not there. So he waited till his dad was gone. Yeah. Stefan says, you could have just said goodbye. And then in the kitchen of the Salvador house, Damon starts writing. So he's inspiration has struck. Yeah. He's like, hey, that that random little kid has a point. <laughs> yeah. Who is that kid? <laughs> that little child actor has a point. <laughs> we go over to the hospital. Joe and Alurica are discussing, I guess, whether or not she should give up her magic, which in the audience seems like a total no-brainer. It's like, what is the downside here? I'm struggling to see it. <laughs> Joe says, I don't really have a choice. And Rick says, of course you have a choice. It's your magic to give or not give. And she says, what do you think I should do? Let's just all make our own decisions. I know I talk a lot of shit on people making their own decisions on this show when they're dumb, but in this case today... I think we all need to be in charge of our own things. And I mean, it's already been laid out for us pretty explicitly that like 
if this goes on, if she doesn't give up her magic, Kai will die. And if Kai dies, she will die because she is in the coven. Yeah. And also the prison world will fall apart. And if she does give up her magic, Kai lives the prison world safe. The downsides are, I guess, that Kai's alive. And But he, I mean, what are you going to do about that? And the other downside is that Joe doesn't have magic, which she never uses because she's not good at. Yeah. And Kai being alive is less of a threat now because remember, he found empathy. So yeah, that's something. He already merged and he hasn't killed any of the Gemini Coven yet. So it feels like it's kind of a low level threat. Yeah. Rick says, you know, my life is full of murders who cave to the bad guy trying to be heroes and it never ends well. Somebody inevitably gets hurt or dead and that somebody could just as easily be you or Bonnie, regardless, no matter what you do. Sure, but if you do nothing, her and Bonnie will explicitly be hurt. Yeah. It's very much the whole fucking Gemini coven. They're like, if I do this, like somebody might die. And it's like, okay, but if you don't do it, more of you will die. So I'm failing to see the issue. It feels like we're not going to avoid death. Yeah. It's a trolley problem situation. Yeah. You got to just move the lever to the one person. Sorry to that one person. And sorry if that one person is you. Yeah. I didn't tie you to the tracks. I'm not driving the trolley. Yeah. But the trolley's already coming. I can't I can't pump the brakes on this thing. Rick says, so if you want to fight and keep your magic, I will fight with you. And if not, well, I loved you when you weren't a witch, and I'm pretty sure I'll still love you regardless. Again, what does she want her magic for? She never uses it. Like, you don't even like having your magic. You're bad at using it. You had it given up for most of your life. Yeah, you've had it for two weeks. You've levitated one log and halfway cloaked two other people. And you couldn't even bring a plant back to life. I think you're fine without it. Yeah, I think it'll be okay. So he says, I'm pretty sure I'll still love you regardless. Joe says, pretty sure. And he says, at least 92%. <laughs> Hysterical. It's so funny, you fucking creep. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't listen to our minisodes, we recently did a minisode about the allegations against Matt Davis. And unfortunately, uh, what I thought would happen did happen, and he weirds me out now. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it did it did color Alaric a little badly. Unfortunately, I can't look at Alaric the same way, so I will be a little meaner to him going forward. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to know, uh, don't listen to the episode. Sorry, but it is it's it's bad. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It's bad. I'm not gonna lie to you. I will make jokes about what was said, and and let me tell you, if I'm joking about it, it was said. I'm not making shit up. I fear. They're grounded in truth. So we go over to the church. Caroline is standing by the casket in the empty church, the open casket. Stefan walks in and he says, hey, Caroline, doing all right? And she says, yeah, fine. All things considered. She's obviously not yeah. doing fine. She's looking at the open casket. Stefan says, are you sure you're doing okay? And she says, mm-hmm, yeah. No, I don't know. Just now I was supposed to put you into a category so I would know what to say to you. But then I realized I didn't know what category you'd want to be put in. So I was thinking there's no time like the horribly inappropriate present to get to the bottom of that. He doesn't say anything. So that's already a bad sign. Yeah. And she says, I could list the categories if you like. Unfortunately, at this point, he's already decided not to have this conversation today. He's very much like, I don't know anything for sure. So I don't want to give any sign either way, especially not today. Unfortunately, that reads as bad. I think he's trying to be as noncommittal as possible either way mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to make the day about him, which is the right instinct. However, bad. <laughs> yes. However, it doesn't it doesn't work out in this case, unfortunately. Yes. He says, Caroline, 
I want to talk to you about all of this, but maybe when we're alone after you've had a chance to get through the day. And that does imply like, it'll be bad, girl. Yeah, that is like, you know, after you've made it through the day, I'll give you something else to cry about. I know. I wish he had said, like, I don't want to make this day about us. I want you to focus on your mom. Yeah. Focus on your mom today. I will be here for you today. I'll be here for you at the end of the day. Because then it at least is like, okay, it's going to happen, girl. Yeah. Like, I'll be here for you. I care about you so much. And that's why I want you to focus on your mom right now. Mm -hmm. She says, oh, yeah, God, of course, this is not the time. I'm so sorry. Because she's like, he doesn't want me. That's why it's not the time. Yeah, she's like, well, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Stefan hugs her and says, hey, don't be sorry. We'll talk when all of this is over. He's trying to be positive and imply like, it could be okay. He said, it might be good. But unfortunately, he's kind of like, he's operating on a low level of depression at all times of the day. So even when he's trying to sound positive, it sounds pretty negative. Well, I think he's just not sure. And he doesn't want to get her hopes up. Yes. If he doesn't know for sure. So he's erring on the side of disappointment rather than getting her hopes up. Yeah. Too much, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, he went a little fur on that. So he leaves. She goes up to her mom and cries. And Elena comes in and says, hey, Caroline, they're ready. Do you need a minute? And again, great funeral friend. Mm -hmm. Caroline says, no, I'm okay. And then she says to her mom, I'm going to be all right. I promise. Everything will be fine after today. Which Elena, you can tell, is like, that's a weird thing to say. You know, and she had been saying stuff like this through the episode. This was the first time I was like, is she suicidal? Like, I was on the suicide track until the end. But this was the first time I was really like, oh, she's ready to die. Or like, she's not, like, this is the last day, literally. It was the first time I flagged it a little. Yeah, you can see Elena clocking it too. But she's like, maybe she's just, you know, I'm going to let her feel her feelings today. Yeah, she's just powering through the day. It's fine. Caroline says, I'm ready. We go over to the new prison world, the 1903 prison world. Bonnie still has her camera. So she talks to the camera. She says, okay, clearly I've been dropped into a snowy tundra hell dimension. Either that or I finally had a psychotic break. I would be so pissed if I got dropped into like snow in my flannel. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Literally, I, I would be like, you know what? Maybe the 90s prison world wasn't so bad. Yeah. I was being negative before. <laughs> I actually would like to go back there now, please. Turns <laughs> out it could be worse. Yeah. Bonnie looks up because the Northern Lights have started. So that's kind of pretty. And I was like, is that a celestial event? Let me answer that in just a second. Yeah. She spots a building and she goes in. And it's hard to tell from the distance, but it looks to be the Salvatore 1860s house. Okay. I knew it looked kind of like familiar, but I didn't place it. And a comment from Damon confirms that later, as much as it will confirm it. Okay. But essentially... This is the house that the Salvatores lived in in 1864. So not the new Salvatore boarding house. And it is also notable, I think it's at this point, that Bonnie sees footprints in the snow as well. She does. Thank you for bringing that up. She goes into the house. She says, incendia, candles light up. She grabs an old-timey lantern. It's like, wow, this looks old. Yeah, I, I saw the lantern. And I was like, oh, we're not in the 90s anymore, I fear. Yeah. What damn year is this? <laughs> she reads some papers that are on the desk. We see only a couple excerpts of the writings. It says Aurora Borealis. And then in case you don't know what that is, it also says Northern Lights. I like that they did both. Keep us safe. Yeah. And then it says recurring celestial event. So it's like, great. Answer that question. Good to know. And then she sees the date and it is November 1st, 1903. And it's like, damn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I can't go to the grocery store anymore. Yeah. Oh, so I I'm eating salt pork. 
Yeah. Great. Awesome. And you guys don't have any seasoning salt or anything. <laughs> no one created that yet, huh? And Tabasco hasn't been invented. <laughs> we go outside the church where the funeral's happening. Matt's outside looking at the horses and the cops. I felt like he was meant to be like a bouncer. Yeah. And maybe he was just like the person who's like checking everybody in. Yeah. That was his job for the day. Sure. Why not? And he got distracted by the cops and the horses. Yeah. Tyler runs up and Matt says, you're late. And Tyler says, yeah. Liv used to say she hated all my ties, so I had to find a new one. Could Liv be positive about any goddamn thing? Also, Liv's not at this funeral. You can wear one of your ugly ties. Who cares? I'm sure at some point in your relationship, Caroline bought you a tie. And also, it's not the first funeral you've been to. Wear a black tie. It's not brain surgery. He stumbles a little bit. And Matt says, are you drunk? And Tyler says, that depends, which is yes. Um, He says, how many days in a row can someone drink before they're just normal? You know, you're drunk every time. It's just that you're drinking every day. It's just that you're drunk every day. Okay. (laughs) Matt says, you're not going in there. And Tyler says, "Uh, back off, man. It's Caroline's mom. I'm not missing her funeral. Matt gets in his way and Tyler like falls down the stairs like okay so you're really drunk if you can't get past Matt yeah he's fallen down the stairs like twice like if you can't even make it up the stairs maybe you should stay outside yeah Matt says I'm sorry about you and Liv okay I know you've been going through a lot of crap Caroline doesn't deserve you bringing it here also your crap is so low level I'm sorry and also the last time you were in this church you got shot in the chest in front of everyone so we can leave this one be yeah you don't need to hang out here we go into the funeral We see that they did choose sunflowers, which is beautiful. I do think Liz would like that. Yeah, there's also some pink and white arrangements as well. Yeah, some lovely floral arrangements overall. Yes. There's a priest up front or a pastor. I never know which is which. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. He says, we are here today to pay our tribute and our respect to a pillar of our community, our sister, our protector, Sheriff Elizabeth Forbes. There's a picture of her where she is cheesing. Yeah, she's posed. And they have banners up that say, like, fallen hero. It's like, yeah, bitch. (laughs) He says, we are also here today to show our love and support for Liz's family and friends. Elena holds Caroline's hands. The cops get up. Because remember, she was a cop. Yeah. They do their little show. And, you know, I know their show is meant to be emotional. But I have to remember, these are all the idiot deputies we've been watching for years. It is. If I respected cops, I might cry. Yeah. Um, but I don't, so I didn't. <laughs> they put a flag on the casket. Some guy gets on his walkie and says, calling Sheriff Forbes. Last call for Sheriff Forbes. No response. Radio number 26 is out of service after 12 years and four months of police service. Gone, but never forgotten. And all the cops march out. And Matt is crying. It's like, don't, not you. Yeah, Matt's like so affected by this. And it's like, stop. Everyone else is like checking their watch. <laughs> And then Damon gets up to the podium. It's time for his big eulogy. Yeah. That he's worked on all night long. Yeah. Remember that when you listen to it. (laughs) He says, Liz Forbes was my friend. In her last moment, she asked me to pass along a message to her daughter. But I cut her off before she could say too much. I told her she could tell Caroline herself, but she didn't get that chance. And he turns to Caroline and says, your mom wanted you to know how proud of you she was. And she should be. You're beautiful. You're a strong woman, a generous friend, and a bright light in a sea of dark. She said you were extraordinary, and you are, and so was she. And Stephanie's looking at Caroline like, wait a second, that's true. Stephanie's like, damn, this guy's making points. 
And it's like, can you make a decision about Caroline without Damon telling you to make it? <laughs> like, did you have to hear it from Damon? Couldn't you come to the conclusion on your own that she is a beautiful bright light who is extraordinary? Yeah. I came to that conclusion in the pilot. I came to that conclusion the second I saw her. I said, That's, that bitch rocks. Yeah. Damon says, Liz was a hero to this town. She was a hero to all of you. And she was a hero to me. Goodbye, Sheriff. You will be missed. I don't, I don't mean to make too much fun of this eulogy because it is nice enough. It, like, it does what it needs to do, but it is kind of like, that took you all night. It's nice. It's simple. It's straightforward. But it is like, not only to Damon, but to like the writers, it's like, that's the best eulogy, you guys. Yes, yeah, so, uh, specifically to the writers. But also, I do think, I take issue with the beginning of the eulogy, mm-hmm. where he's like, she didn't get the chance to say something to Caroline. It's like, do you have to remind Caroline she wasn't there for her final moments? That's not what he meant to do. I know, but it's just like, is that really necessary? I know. I'm being anti-Damon. I'm being anti-Damon. I know. I'll admit it. <laughs> Welcome to how it is when you're anti-Stefan. And Im- imagine how I feel. And you're like, where'd you get th- How'd you get there? It's like, <laughs> wow, you're just being negative for the sake of being negative. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I am. I usually have points. You should try it. <laughs> I have multiple points. I only needed one point. <laughs> okay, tell me when you find it. <laughs> uh, Damon sits down. Caroline gets up because she's going to do her thing now. She says, thank you all for coming. This is for my mom. She sings a song. I don't know what the song is. It's like, go in peace, whatever. It's obviously a lesser teen drama would have had her sing a top 40 hit of the day. Yeah. That's vaguely related to death. Like if I die young or some shit. Yeah. They said, no, this is gonna be more timeless. And as she sings, Stefan leans in. He's like, wait a second. She's pretty. Yeah, he keeps leaning closer and closer, and he's like, oh, shit. Stefan's like, hold on. I've been overcomplicating this, I fear. Yeah. And yeah, King, you have. Stefan's like, you know what? Now that I'm seeing this as like an audience member, uh, she's very beautiful and talented and wonderful, and that's my bestie, and I think I might be in love with her, and now it's kind of dumb that I was so back and forth on it. Yeah, he's like, I don't know why I was so back and forth. Oops. Oops, well, good thing I hit it super well in my conversation with Caroline earlier, so I have plenty of time to fix this. And good thing there's no time limit on when I should say something to her. (laughs) Because I can fix it at any point. Later tonight, even. This is shaping up to be a great day for Stefan. (laughs) (laughs) We go over to the reception at the grill. Caroline is thanking people for coming, etc. We go over to Matt's table. He's sitting with Tyler. And Tyler says, hey, I'm sober. Don't ask me to leave. And Matt says, I'm not going to ask you to leave. I'm glad you pulled it together. The thing is, Ty, I get it. We've all been through so much that it's bound to make us a little crazy. I was thinking. It's like, oh, brother. We're all going crazy, but I actually had a really good idea. And I'm not crazy. (laughs) I'm the only not crazy one here. He says, you know, watching the way all those cops honored her today, I want to be a part of something like that. Like, oh, you finally want to do something actually organized instead of the stupid fake-ass volunteer squad you were on? Yeah, the community protection squad. Oh, you now you want to join the police, actually. And I've, I've been saying he was going to be a cop. He's always given cop to me. You called it. You really did. He says, so I talked to one of the deputies and he gave me this application. Turns out they're literally always hiring. And the application just says, would you shoot somebody? Be honest. And I said, maybe. And they said, we don't even look at these. Yeah. We don't care. They said, this is just a formality. Yeah. We just really needed your name and phone number. Yeah. Matt says, there's this officer training program. It seems pretty cool. Like something I'm supposed to be a part of. Oh, bro. 
Brother, this guy stinks! Why didn't you just join this instead of the fucking community protection squad? That's the whole thing. You should have just done this from the start if this is what you were going to do. And it does feel like something you're supposed to be a part of because you're a nerd loser. Yeah, so you got it right. And then he says to Tyler, I got one for you too. Oh, good. The drunk with anger issues. <laughs> yeah, he should be a cop. Now this pisses me off. Look, Matt wanting to be a cop, that's his bullshit. Of course he wants to be a fucking cop because he's that kind of vibe. Don't drag Tyler down with you. Let Tyler be a fucking hurdy boy elsewhere. Well, and also let Tyler come to the decision on his own. But when you get an application for Tyler too, it's like you are really trying to relive your high school football glory days, which is actually like what a lot of cops do. Yeah. So you guys are really living up to those small town stereotypes, huh? Yeah. That's got to be fun. (laughs) So Caroline grabs her coat over on the other side of the grill. And Elena says, hey, are you leaving? And Caroline says, yeah, I think I've done the whole funeral thing enough for one day. And Elena says, oh, I'll walk you home. Caroline says, it's two blocks. I'll be fine. Elena says, I just don't think it's a good idea for you to be alone tonight. And Caroline says, I think that's exactly what I need, actually. Caroline hugs Elena and says, thank you for everything you did today, Elena. I'll never forget it. And Elena says, you're welcome. But, and Caroline says, I'll be fine, Elena, okay? I just had to get through today. And Caroline leaves. And again, Elena's like, I am clocking that comment again. Yeah, because the whole like, thank you for all your help. I'll never forget it. I just had to get through today. It's past tense now. Yeah. And she wants to be alone. Like, I was like, oh, she's going to try to kill herself. Yeah. Like, she wants to be alone so she can kill herself in peace. Yeah, it's like, mama, you better follow her, which she does. Yeah. Thank you, Elena. We go back over to the 1903 prison world. Bonnie is filming what she's found in the house. She finds a little frame, and it has photos of Damon and Stefan in the 1860s. And she says, OMG. She says, oh, that's weird. That's weird. She says, okay, I'm going to take this. Yeah. We go over to Alaric's apartment. Joe says, okay, let's do this. So she's decided to make the smart decision. Great. Awesome. Uh, Kai says, me or Coven and the prison worlds, thank you. And Rick says, hey, can I ask, what exactly is this other prison world? Worth asking. Kai says, a place filled with crappy people like me, I'm sure. Congrats. You're saving their miserable lives from oblivion. (laughs) Don't look so stressed. You never liked being a witch anyway. And that's true. Joe never liked it. Yeah, she didn't care. So Joe says, shut up. She touches his face. She does a spell. There's wind, there's light, so the spell is happening. We go over to the 1903 prison world, and there's wind and everything there, too. And so Bonnie runs out the door, but when she runs through the door, she's back in the 1994 prison world as the eclipse is starting. And so she sees on her watch, she's about, like, five minutes out from the eclipse. She's running, and Joe continues the spell in the apartment. As she's doing the spell, Bonnie alternates running through 1903 and 1994. We can tell because... Daytime versus nighttime, snow versus, you know, you get it. Yeah, darker blue versus lighter blue, essentially. It's, it's pretty easy. Bonnie gets into the cave where she usually does the spell. And she says, I can do this, okay? The Northern Lights, the Eclipse, they're both recurring events. I can get out of here. So she draws blood and puts it on the Ascendant, and she starts the spell. And then some lady in 1903 garb walks up and watches her do this mm-hmm. and says, who are you? And Bonnie says, who are you? <laughs> but then Bonnie gets pulled up. Well, because Bonnie's like, what the fuck? And this woman, meanwhile, has probably been alone since 1903. So yeah. she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then all of a sudden she sees go get out. She's like, hey, you can't take me? Yeah. She's like, wait, can't I hop on? <laughs> we'll talk more about her in a minute. Yeah. We go over to Rick's apartment and Joe says, it's done. And Kai says, thank you. And congratulations. 
And then he hugs her and whispers something in her ear. And I said, yep, pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, have a good life, sissy. And he goes. And Rick says, what did he just say? And Joe says, the reason I was sick, it wasn't food poisoning. And Rick says, what was it? Connect the dots, King. Ever seen a movie? Yeah, ever seen a single TV show in your life? Yeah. Joe says, he said I'm pregnant. I don't know what to say or what to do with that. Go get a pregnancy test for one because Kai could just be saying that. Like, I respect that that would be a weird thing for him to just say. And I respect that he would probably know that from like whatever, pulling your magic, interacting with you in that way. But let's double check medically. Yeah, you're a doctor. Don't you have some respect for medical due diligence? Let's test it before we actually get bogged down in it. But no, that's not what we're going to do today. And then Rick says, marry me. And she says, no, that is a pity proposal. You can't throw a pity proposal at a pregnant ex-witch. I don't even know if I want kids, let alone get married. Matt Davis read this script and he's like, I'm marrying the old one? (laughs) Of course, Jody Lynn O'Keefe is not old to me, but to his creepy ass. But to Matt Davis, yeah. He was like, so when Alaric has a threesome with Elena, Joe will be there too? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of thought I'd have a threesome with the young ones, but but I guess one young one is good. That's better than nothing. (laughs) And they're like, no, you're marrying the age appropriate woman. He said, hmm. He said, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know if the fans are going to (laughs) react. The fans have been clamoring for me to hook up with the young ones. Yeah. No one's clamoring. (laughs) Ain't nobody clamoring for shit. He pulls out a ring so we know he's had it before she got pregnant. Which is handy because if he didn't have the ring, this would definitely read as pity. Yeah, he said, phew. She says, what are you doing? And he says, I bought this the day after your brother died. And for a second, I'm like, who's her brother? Oh, Luke. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. He he watched Luke die and he said, damn, I got to go get a ring. (laughs) I got to go to K Jewelers after this. He says, Caroline's mom was sick. You were in danger. I just thought life's too short. And I've been trying to plan for the right moment, which was going to be this morning breakfast in bed, you know, until you started puking up last night's dinner. We can talk about choices and all that. So he's like, we can get an abortion, girly. But I would really love to have this baby with you. That's something I never thought I'd have. Because Isabel did not want a damn baby. Yeah, and then he was a vampire. And I'll say this. It's not just one baby. What do you think it is? You think it's twins? It's twins. Where are you getting that? Joe, I would get there even if I didn't feel that I knew there would be twins after this anyway. But I'm sorry. It's a Gemini person having a baby. They're Poop it out, twins. Especially because now there's a new leader. So you have to imagine the coven wants to set us up for the next merge. Yeah. Let's just say that. We don't know anyone else in the Gemini coven who's having babies at this point. Yeah. Certainly not Liv. Yeah, she doesn't have a boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah. So he says, this isn't a pity proposal, Joe. I love you. He gets on one knee and opens the ring. It's pretty. It's nice. They give us a nice good shot. Yeah. He says, marry me. She sits down. She says, I can't believe this. Are you sure? And he says, at least 92%. It's a callback. I'm booing. It wasn't funny the first time. It's not funny now. I was booing the first time. I'm booing again. Uh, She says, yes, they hug. I'm happy they're in love and getting married. But again, Alaric is unfortunately sour. I mean, it is funny. And you said this when we were watching that when there's like an older couple, like whether it be parents on a teen drama or whoever's not part of the main kid contingent, it's like, okay, let's get them married off because it's weird that they're living in sin. Yeah. It's weird that these old people aren't getting married because they're old. So they should be married. They're so old, they should be married by now. 
it's the same on like Gossip Girl. Like, God forbid Rufus and Lily date for two years. Yeah, they get married like right away, and then they end up getting divorced. Spoilers for Gossip Girl. It's the same thing with the kids eventually too. That it's like, and then they'll get married, I guess, because I mean we wanted a wedding on a TV show, like, and we don't want a parent wedding. Yeah, we have to marry them off, but that's not the wedding we're interested in seeing. Yeah, we'll do a parent wedding if we must. So Joe Alaric wedding incoming, perhaps. Do you think we'll see a wedding of them, or do you think they're going to be like courthouse people? I feel like their characters would be courthouse people, but I do think we're going to get some sort of wedding. So I think we're getting a wedding, even though I don't think that's necessarily what I would say their characters would do. But I think we'll get, I think it'll be like an outdoor woodsy wedding. Like, I think it'll be pretty chill. Sure. When do you think they'll get married? Out of curiosity. Before the end of the season. Probably in the next few episodes, because I think they want to clear this out. Also, before she starts showing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he can start saying, my wife. And she can say, you're my husband. Because I think they could wait till post babies, but I don't think they'll be doing that. I think they'll be speeding this along. Just because they want... They want this couple together and like in their little old person corner. They want them to be end game and set. Yeah. We don't want any shuffling. They don't want to give Matt Davis any more romantic storylines because they don't want to give him any wiggle room. They're like, no, you're married now. So stop making suggestions. So you're not hooking up with any of the young girls. Any suggestion has to be around you being married to Joe. He said, well, can I cheat on my wife? He's like, do we have an open relationship, an open marriage? They said, no. You have a very traditional marriage. Does she have a hot sister that we don't know about yet? Any age. <laughs> Any age is fine with me. I can play whatever. <laughs> I, I think I can still play 18, actually. Just, you know, scruff my hair up a little bit. Yeah. You guys get it. And they're like, Matt, go read your script. We go back over to the grill. Damon is having a drink at the bar. What else does he do? Mm-hmm. Stefan sits with him and says, nice speech. Damon says, thanks. And Stefan says, what broke through the writer's block? And Damon says, I just needed to be reminded that the goodbye wasn't about me. Crazy. Slow clap, I mean. (laughs) Damn, how'd you come up with that one? I know. He says, I failed you by not doing the eulogy at our mother's funeral. I didn't want to fail anyone today. Stefan says, well, you actually did fail me today with your (laughs) dumbass advice. Yeah. He says, I think you were wrong about Caroline. And also, I think this is a journey that Stefan needs to go through, is feeling confident in his own emotions. Yeah, and trusting his emotions, trusting his heart. And being able to say, like, I think you're wrong about that. Yeah. So I think it's good that he got here, again, a little too late. Well, I think he did need to get to this Caroline realization on his own. Yeah. Because I think if Damon had been like, just go be with Caroline, he wouldn't have felt as strong about it and convinced about it. No one else can make these decisions for him. And he needs to make peace with that. Yeah. He says, I realize that I may not be able to explain what I feel for her, but it is something. And yeah. Maybe all love isn't true love in the messed up way that you and I have experienced it. Bingo. Perhaps. (laughs) But I think this could turn into something even better. I agree with you, Stefan. Thank you, Stefan. Well said. Damon says, well, then, brother, stop wasting your time sitting here with me. I think she could use a piece of news like that today. And Stefan goes. And Stefan's like, why didn't you say that earlier? (laughs) Damon's like, okay, then go be with her. Like, I don't know why you asked me this morning. Then he's like, okay, do whatever you want to do. Good decision, okay? I do think this is a fun, this kind of decision idea is fun to think about with Stefan's experience of constantly letting Elena make her own decision. Maybe because he just never knew how to do it. So he loves to watch other people make decisions. And also he didn't want to make any decisions for them because he's like, well, they clearly know. And now he's learning like, oh, 
you guys were all just kind of making it up as you went too. Yeah. He loves having decisions made for him. Yeah. Because he doesn't trust that he'll make the right decisions because he's insecure. But he likes to have other people make their own decisions because he's like, well, they know what they're doing. Yeah. I I can't possibly know because I don't even know what I'm doing. And it's like, you think Elena, Elena is making good decisions. I know you're not confident in yourself. He's like, I'm the only one who can't make a good decision. That's not true. Yeah. We go over to the Forbes house. Caroline arrives home. She has the flag from her mother's casket. She puts the flag down. She takes off her coat, puts it on the chair. She grabs her mom's sweater and smells it, hugs it. She's cleaning up, tidying up a little bit. But then she senses another presence in the room. And she says, I said I was fine, Elena. And Elena, who has come in, says, I don't believe you. All day, something's been bugging me. You wanted to pack this in so quickly like you had somewhere you needed to be. I mean, you were so concerned about getting through today without a hint of how you'd feel tomorrow. And then I realized, you don't want to feel tomorrow. That's the plan, right? You're not going to feel tomorrow because you're going to turn it all off. Excellently deduced. Excellently deduced, Elena. I went a little fur with it. You were right. And Caroline says, you know, I thought I could get through the rough patch and then just pick myself up after like I usually do. But then Damon made me realize it's just going to get worse. So thanks a lot, Damon. But it's also like she probably would have come to this on her own anyway because she was already thinking about how hard this day was and whatever. I think this just gave her like something to cling to of like, okay, it's definitely going to get worse. So now I have to make this choice. And even Elena says, you're listening to Damon? Even Elena. Elena, you're in love with that guy. She said, yeah, but don't listen to him. He's like, yeah, but don't ask him for advice. Yeah. Caroline says, I can't do worse, okay? I didn't even think there was a worse. It's better this way. And Elena says, better? Caroline, you're talking about flipping the humanity switch. There's nothing better about that. And Caroline says, that is your experience, okay? I have more control over my vampire self than you ever did. My experience will be different. That is wishful thinking, but it's also like, of course she thinks that she's never turned it off. Yeah. She knows she has more control over things and she just wants a break. Exactly. Elena says, it's not going to be different, Caroline. It's going to be deadly. You saw what happened to me when I did it. And Caroline says, that's my point, Elena. You did it. You couldn't handle the pain when your brother died, so you turned it off. Damon died and you erased all your memories. Stefan moved to Savannah and became an auto mechanic. Do you think you guys are the only ones who get to escape grief? And this is so fair. Yeah, because she's like, you guys all had your time away to deal with this. You all had your magic way of getting around it. And I'm just supposed to get through it because like, look, I understand that you guys made your mistakes. You guys aren't happy with the way you handled it, but like you handled it that way. And also to be fair to Caroline, all of these people have less control over their vampire instincts than Caroline does. Yeah, all of them. So it's not outrageous of her to say, I'll be better at it. She's better at vampirism in general, so why would this be different? And frankly, I don't think it'll be that different. <laughs> Elena says, you just mentioned two of the biggest mistakes I ever made. And Caroline says, were they mistakes? Because when you came out the other end, the worst part of the pain was gone. And that's what I need. I just need the pain to be gone. And that's the other thing, too, of like, Elena's allowed to make mistakes, but Caroline isn't. Yes. And I know you want to stop her from making the mistakes you made because of that but you learn something from that and even if you think this is a mistake she has to make that same she has to learn that same lesson yes everyone else is allowed to make mistakes stefan is allowed to go off to savannah and shut everyone out in the name of grief elena is allowed to erase her memories in the name of grief but caroline has to just handle grief perfectly 
It's not fair. Yeah. Do you think that it will be different for Caroline? I mean, I think different is an interesting word. I I do think, you know, it will change how she interacts with things. I don't think it'll be as bad as some other ones because so much of when it gets deadly for people without humanity is because they have bloodlust and they can't control themselves and because they don't care enough to control themselves. Mm-hmm. But like she is able to control herself, which you could argue that the control that she has is a direct result of her anxiety and her control issues reaching into, you know, blood. So that could still be an issue. I do think we're going to get some fun Caroline bitchy lines again. Mm -hmm. Love to see that back. I would love to see her tear down Elena a little bit. And I think it's good, frankly, for Stefan to have this experience with Caroline. Mm -hmm. I think he needs to learn how to fight for someone and help them get through the humanity thing. I mean, he learned it with Elena a little bit, but so many people were working with Elena on that. Yeah, Like it was like a fucking team on her. And because I think Elena has deep emotional bonds with many of her friends. Mm -hmm. Caroline is often the one who takes care of her friends. Yeah, She doesn't have the same vulnerability with so many people that Elena does. Stefan might be more effective. When I think in that way, Caroline being like, I don't have to take care of you guys to figure it out yourself might be useful for some of y'all. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't want to say she's going to be perfect because I'm sure there's yeah. some unexpected consequence of her turning her humanity off. But I just think it doesn't hurt for her to live a little bit without anxiety post her mom dying. Yeah. I said this at the beginning. I think it's a great opportunity for an Enzo-Caroline friendship. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that Caroline won't kill anybody because I think she probably will, but I think it will be not that many and not that serious. Okay, I was going to ask that. But Elena really doesn't want Caroline to turn her humanity off. She has good reason to because Elena knows her own experience. Yeah. And she doesn't wish that on anyone. And she is just assuming the worst, which I think is fair. Mm -hmm. So Elena really goes for the jugular here. And it is mean, but I do think it was necessary for what Elena needed to do. Mm -hmm. She says, and if Stefan had said the right thing earlier, would that have changed your mind? Because I do think she needs to like make Caroline think like, are you doing this just because Stefan hurt you? Like, if you're going to do this, don't do it for that. Yeah. And it's not just because Stefan hurt her, but that's a piece of it. That's a piece of it. I think she knows that the only person who can really help her through this in the way she probably needs to be helped through it is Stefan. And she doesn't want to let him do that if he doesn't want to be with her. Because she's like, I'm not going to fall in love with him helping me if he doesn't care about me in that way. Like, so I might as well deal with it myself and the way I'm choosing to deal with it myself is to turn it off for a bit Mm -hmm. because she's like I can't handle this myself anymore yeah Caroline doesn't answer that question because she knows the answer yeah and Elena says yeah I heard and Caroline says well he didn't so it doesn't really matter and she cries and she says my mom is dead Elena it hurts so bad I can't breathe I can't do worse I can't okay and I shouldn't have to And Elena says, no one should have to. It's not fair. It's not. I get it. I do. They hug. They cry. And Elena does. I mean, Elena's doing a lot of smart moves here. Unfortunately, they don't pay off. Elena is trying to like comfort her. And then Elena says, I know you think you have it all figured out, but please listen to me. I'm not going to let you do this. Now, unfortunately, the way to get her to not do this is to snap her neck. Yeah. But Caroline's one step ahead. And she snaps Elena's neck. And she says, that's not your choice to make. And- This is so sick when she does this. 
because she doesn't even twist the neck. She like snaps it just by pushing it together in the right way. And I thought she was going to mid hug, turn it off, like not even snap her neck, just be like, what I'm, I'm doing it in my head. It doesn't affect you. Yeah. But her like, that's not your decision to make. She's so cool to me. Mm-hmm. And then we don't see her after that. I do want to say, I know this is probably stupid of me to say. Love it. But I'm going to say it because I feel like it. I am convinced that at some point in the run of this season, she's going to see Klaus again. Now, is that delusion? Perhaps. Perhaps. But I think humanity off Caroline may want to spend some time in New Orleans with her sexy little friend. Because I think humanity off Caroline doesn't care that she said they'll never see each other again. So I'm just, I'm throwing that possibility out. Because also... If you have your humanity off and you're surrounded by people who don't want your humanity off, that gets annoying really quick. Yeah, I bet. So that that's why Elena immediately started hanging out with Rebecca. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think she could go on a little trippy. But what I do want to say, we don't see her turn it off in this episode. That's true. Do you think it is turned off by the time we end this episode and it's too late? Or do you think there's still time for someone to convince her not to? I think it's already turned off. By the time Stefan gets to her house, I think she's turned it off. Fair enough. We go over to the Salvatore house. Damon is home. And on the phone, he's like, where'd you go, Elena? Call me back. But then he sees that his kitchen is filled with pancakes. And then he sees Bonnie. And he says, Bonnie? And she says, the one and only. They laugh. They hug. She jumps into his arm. She gives him a full leg wrap around. They're bestie besties. They're bestie besties. He says, you made it. So they're reunited. We know Bonnie is safely back. And she says, why are you wearing a black tux? What? Yeah. (laughs) Fucking finally she's back. This is insane how long this took. This is a crime that Julie Pleck needs to answer for. No, she does. I need her to explain this to me. The rumor is that Julie Pleck wanted to kill Bonnie off the show. Mm -hmm. And Ian Somerhalder was basically like, if you kill her off, you have to kill me off. King. I think that might have happened later, but I think it might have happened here. Anyway, the rumor is that Julie Fleck wanted to kill Bonnie off the show, but Bonnie was such a fan favorite and the actors liked her and everyone else liked her. Like she couldn't, she could never make it stick. I mean, you can see she tries to kill Bonnie like four times. I was going to say, it's clear she wants to kill Bonnie off. She's tried it a million times, but you can't keep a bad bitch down. You just can't. Cat Graham, I stand with you forever. Yeah. I need you to know. I love you so much. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Bonnie Bennett done dirty. Will the dirty deeds stop? I uh, know. Only time will tell. She's going to be pissed she's still on the show. And I'm sure everyone saw someone who was like, finally, Bonnie's back. And I'm sure that pissed Julie Pleck right off. She said, how can I kill this bitch again? <laughs> we go over to the Forbes house. Stefan has arrived. Excited to, you know, see his new girlfriend, he hopes. He says, Caroline, sorry to burge in. The door was unlocked. And then he sees Elena dead on the floor. And he says, uh-oh. Which to him, it's like, well, maybe someone hurt both of them. No, I'm sure he will figure it out eventually that Caroline did this. Also because Elena will wake up any second. (laughs) Yeah, he calls to Caroline. She doesn't answer. We go over to the Salvatore house. Bonnie is showing Damon the framed picture of him and Stefan that she found in 1903. And Damon says, I don't get it. So you were in my house in a 1903 prison world? And she says, watch this, because she has the camera still. She says, I didn't know it was still on when I got pulled out. The camera was filming and she plays it. And there's a bunch of footage of like her in the cave. He says, congrats, you shot some walls. And she says, just wait. I'm obviously showing you this for a reason. She says, I'm not just showing you the walls. You bitch. There's a clip of the mystery woman saying, who are you? And Damon says, what is this? And Bonnie says, there, pause it. He pauses it on the woman. We have a great clear shot of her. And he says, oh my God. 
that's my mother. And that's where we end the episode. Mm -hmm. So what's the deal with this? So I have lots to say about this. Of course you do. How could you not? Now, I've been saying I think we're going to meet their mom and I've been doubting it. But now here we are. So, well, yeah, I was I was trying to gaslight you out of it, obviously. And so last episode, you were saying like, oh, we'll probably just see her in flashback. And I was like, whew. Yeah, I had given up on it last episode. So you finally worked. Gaslighter. That was a gaslighting campaign that was taking me episodes. (laughs) But I got it. Worked right in time. Just under the wire, too. Real buzzer beater. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there's something very interesting about her being in, in the prison world. Both why, how, when. Absolutely. Both. Why, how, when? Both. All three. All three. (laughs) So I'll go through those. But, you know, the why and how, we know from what Kai says that this is a specific Gemini thing, prison worlds. Mm -hmm. So we have to assume that the Gemini coven in some way put her in there. Sure. And, okay, I just had a whole nother thing that I'm thinking about now. I know. It's a can (laughs) of worms, isn't it? So the one thing, okay. The other, yeah, so... <laughs> no, go on to speak on it. So something's weird because <laughs> we know it's their house from 1864, which was in Mystic Falls, mm-hmm. but there's Northern Lights. That doesn't make any sense. Sure. So that's weird that I just thought of. But the other things I'm thinking of that I have more to say on, I just I don't have an explanation for that. That just popped in my head. Sure. The other thing, the prison world is 1903. Mm-hmm. We know Stefan and Damon returned in 1864. Sure. We know their mom died when Stefan was 10. So that's 1857. Mm-hmm. So what was she doing for 50 years? And she doesn't look 80. So probably a vampire. Okay. That's a big accusation. Just got to say it. I mean, I guess, well, Kai didn't age once he was in the prison world, but she was aging for 50 years before she got put in the prison world. Unless she had them when she was like 15. And just looks really good for 65. But that doesn't seem realistic. And so what did she do that made them fake her death in 1857 that the Geminis are also involved in? Because there is this possibility that she chose to turn into a vampire. And Giuseppe was like, fuck this bitch. Get out of my house. But it seems like then he would just kill her. So how did she interact with the Gemini coven? It's possible she didn't fake her death, but that she just died and then turned. Sure. But then they faked the death to Damon and Stefan, obviously. Yeah. Do you think the Geminis were involved with her turning and, fake- and like faking her death? Or do you think the Geminis were something she encountered later? I think more likely encountered later. And I think, you know, we have to assume Geminis have been in Portland. I have to assume they've been there this whole time. Sure. And so we don't really know how she got over there, what she was doing there. In 1903, what was happening in 1903? Turn of the century, Industrial Revolution. I don't know. Gilded Age. Actually, Industrial Revolution hasn't started yet. I don't know. So that's not really giving me any clues. Let's assume, for the sake of this argument, that she is a vampire. Why would the Gemini Coven want to lock up one random vampire? It seems like a prison world is a lot of work to give one vampire her own prison world. Well, and that is a question, too, of... What did she do that was bad enough to warrant a prison world? Mm-hmm. Do you have a guess? No, but <laughs> but I'll throw some thoughts around. Okay. So the other possibility is that she like took advantage of Gemini magic to stay young or do something else or heal something. Oh, sure. I think we have to assume 
there's some untrustworthiness because she had no issue leaving her sons. And it seems particularly she had no issue leaving Damon because she said goodbye to Stefan. But he was 10 and an 18 year old doesn't believe in like angels the way a 10 year old might. So that might arouse more suspicion. But no, I mean, I, I think she doesn't fuck with Damon. Every woman in their lives chose Stefan. Because I think Stefan and Damon both have their share of mommy issues and daddy issues. Yeah. Stefan does have the lion's share of the daddy issues. Because mm-hmm. he killed his dad. Because he killed his dad and Damon was like, fuck my dad. I don't care that he thinks I'm useless, whatever. He just thinks that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that Damon has the lion's share of the mommy issues. Fair. Because I've seen I've seen how he needs love. I, I think this one split down the middle pretty clearly. Yeah. So I do think there's a, a level of abandoning children. There's a level of, I don't know, she could have helped the wrong people. I, I'm i not sure how exactly she did something bad enough to end up in the prison world. It does seem like Geminis use those for people who like threaten the future of their coven in some way. Mm-hmm. Because it is like a big spell. And I assume most of the coven has to help out with it. You would assume. It seems like it would be some threat for the, the coven. Here's my other question. Kai, in the beginning of this episode, they're talking about the prison world. Or at some point in the episode, I don't think it's the beginning. And Alaric says, so who's in this other prison world? And Kai doesn't seem to know, but he says, you know, probably miserable people. Do you think there's more than one person here? Or do you think their mother is alone? I think their mother's alone. I think this is referring to if there are other, like, if there's two prison worlds, why not more? Yeah, that makes sense. I think the power of a prison world is that you're the only one there and you can't kill yourself. I think that combo is what makes them particularly prisons. Yes. And we know like, it's not like they're in the business of pulling people out of the prison world. Ty was a a one-off, but she's been in there for a long time. So there's, there's gotta be something pretty fucked up that she did. Yeah. But you don't know what it is yet. I don't know what it is. Here's my last question of the episode. This episode marks the end of the Parker chapter. We have the next chapter, which starts next episode, will carry us through the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. So I want you to guess what it is, what it's called. So I've said this before, and I don't think it's right necessarily, but I have enough clues that it it is not a crazy jump. Sure. Wait, can you remind me what the first chapter of the season was? So for reminders, chapter one was the grieving chapter. Chapter two was the Parker chapter. I want you to guess chapter three. So again, I've said it before, but I think with the Salvatore's mother and Joe being pregnant, we have we have to consider a mother or motherhood chapter. Sure. I think there could be other words for that. I think especially given like Caroline turning her humanity off as a result of her mother's death. But mm-hmm. I think there's a level of like mothering that someone could do for her. Sure. So that's my main my main guess. I don't feel confident in it, but there also could be. With Bonnie out and the knowledge of other prison worlds and the knowledge of someone in another prison world, I think we could spend more time actively with this like prison world idea. The prison world chapter, so to speak. Yeah. You know, as we're thinking about the final chapter and who the big villains could be, like Kai is still a villain in a way, but he's... His threat level is severely reduced. He's depleted in scariness. And so I think interacting with either more people from the prison world or more prison worlds. And I think we also have to raise the possibility, you know, three different people and a teddy bear left one prison world. Yeah. 
and a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of movement through those portals, which were not meant to have any movement through them. I'll just say that. So even though Kai has magic and has maybe sorted this out, those prison worlds may not be entirely secure. And if they break down, they may not just collapse into themselves is what I'll say. And I think, you know, Kai being sick today and fixing it with the magic from Joe, that's great. I don't know that that was necessarily like everything. He may still have some issues. Gotcha. And the Gemini Coven as a whole may still have some issues. Let's say that. That makes sense. You did mention like upcoming villains. Do you think their mother is going to be a villain? I think yes. I mean, I think she's going to be a complex character given that best case scenario, she faked her death. Yeah. Best case scenario, she said, fuck them kids. I mean, worst case scenario, she said, fuck them kids. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she left them with Giuseppe either way. Yeah. So I do think there's, whether she's a full like evil villain or just like a villain somewhat in Stefan and Damon's life. I mean, we have to think about parallels to like Esther. Sure. I think she's- She's gonna be the focus. Yeah, I think she's gonna be the focus in many ways. Here's my final question. I want you to guess what their mother's name is. I want to guess Sarah. Well, you're thinking of Sarah Salvatore? Well, I'm thinking of Sarah Salvatore, but I guess Stefan didn't name her. Yeah. I'm going to guess it starts with an S. Okay. Maybe Samantha. Okay. that's That makes sense. You're thinking like 1903, like Samantha the American Girl doll. Yeah. I mean, I'm going simple with it. I guess she, it doesn't need to start with an S. Wouldn't it be funny if it did start with an S? Because Grace, Stephanie, Giuseppe... S name? That'd be funny. That'd be you'd, funny. You'd be the Giuseppe. That would be funny. Or maybe what's another, uh, what's a Giuseppe but an S name? Giuseppe. <laughs> no. Like something Italian. I don't know. I want you to remember that Julie Fleck often takes a left turn from a normal name. That's true. So we'll have Samantha and then we'll guess a crazier one. Sure. Just to mix it up. Yeah. Siobhan. Siobhan. With a B. That's a good one. That's a good guess. I like that. I wonder if either of them are correct. Of course, I know. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.